0: Hey, we're on page 103, that's right, all three of you, and uh, chapter 9, we're in a brand new uh, topic there, systematized, if I can spell it right, uh, Bible, what's it say there? Knowledge. knowledge, that's right, systematized Bible knowledge, that's a big one, I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to work on that title, I have to draw it before I get up here, but uh, as we can see, uh, systematized Bible knowledge, is the Bible one book or many? Kind of a trick question, isn't it? It's made up of? Sixty-six. That's right. Sixty-six books. Tom, I saw that. Sixty-six books. And uh, 3927, Old Testament, New Testament, okay. But it is one book. It's one complete book. And that's what's so amazing. And that's what uh, gives us the understanding that the Bible really did come from God is because there's no way when you take a look at the statistical data of the scripture that was written over a time of 1,400, 1,500 years with 40 different authors, uh, written in uh, three different languages, Hebrew, Portion, Aramaic, and Koine Greek, uh, written on different continents, different moods, uh, people from different backgrounds, kings, peasants, fishermen, you name it. And it never once contradicts itself okay there's no way that happened by chance okay but the Bible really is made up of different books but there really is just one book Bibles. Bloss. we'll see in a second the Bible okay let's take a look at the top there in our next chapter that's right not this one the next one evidences for the Christian faith we will look at the incredible uniqueness of this book we call the Bible but in this chapter we're going to look at the continuity of the Bible and learn how the Bible underlying these two words fits together Okay, how does the Bible fit together as a whole to make one complete book? Okay, and I remember as a brand new Christian, it took me literally, maybe you guys were a little bit faster, it took me about two years before I got to what I call the aha moment. Okay, and that was finally at the point where I'm doing what you're supposed to do. You're reading the Bible, uh, and I'd read this book, and and it's like, okay, that's an Old Testament book. At least I knew what was what, and we're getting there. And uh, when I first started Bible college, man, nobody had no clue. I was a brand spanking new Christian. Hey, again, you know my testimony eight weeks after i'm saved i'm in bible college and they're ripping out uh, uh, There in college the professors and they're saying, you know Go to this over here this book genesis that and romans this and and this But it's like the only way I survived is I put my thumb right here at the very beginning And I didn't know nothing, but god called me there and that's where it started But as you continue to progress uh, Consistency wins the game by the way don't quit Okay, that's what the enemy wants you to do. But continue to apply yourself, continue to grow in the knowledge of the scripture. It it was still kind of jumbled uh, information. We're supposed to be in the Bible. We're supposed to read the books of the Bible. We're supposed to read the Bible, period. But it was just like, how does this all fit together? You know what I'm saying? And and finally, it was about after two years, it was like, aha, I get it. And that's why I'm big uh, on timelines, okay? Because I finally got how this whole thing starts to fit together, okay? And you got the book of Genesis right here. Okay, and that's obviously the first book and that tells you the beginning and then you got the book of Revelation over here And that tells you all the way to the very ending Okay, and then uh, what you see is basically the cross of Jesus Christ is the centerpiece The Old Testament of course speaks uh, much of the first coming of the Messiah also the second coming you and I with the New Testament talks about this and then we're what's called the church age and that's where we saw with four weeks in our uh, uh, previous topic, the future events, that what's left is basically the rapture of the church, the seven year tribulation, the millennial kingdom, the final rebellion, and then you have uh, the great white throne judgment, and then you have what's called the eternal state. Okay? It's finally when I've, I've drawn this out for you, but I didn't know. Did, you always, did everybody always know this? Okay, because I didn't see it on the back of the Cheerios box or the granola bar wrapper or something. I. I tried, Tom, it wasn't there. Okay, but uh, anyway, but finally, you see how it all fits together. And then you start to break it down even more. You go like, well, certain books are you know, the, the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible and things of that nature. And then you start getting into first and second Kings and Samuel and then you get into the major prophets and the Psalms and then you get into the minor prophets, the guys who worked at digging gold. No, wrong kind of minor. And so, but uh, you get into that. I say, oh, so that's how it fits. See, all that's pre-cross. So it starts to get divided for you. And then you get into the gospels and then you get into Acts and Romans. Then you get uh, Pauline epistles and things of that nature and all the New Testament. But even then you have to be careful because the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are still uh, written, by, except to towards the end of the chapters. Much of the information is pre-cross. Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet. As we're going to see, that's extremely important because just because you read it in the New Testament in the Gospels doesn't mean that the new contract, the new covenant is in place yet. And that radically changes things. And hopefully if we get that far, you'll see what I'm talking about. But finally after that, it's like, aha, I get it. So now the benefit of that, and that's what this is about, systematized Bible study. When you do pick up the Bible, when you do read the Bible, you're reading in the proper chronological sense And as we're going to see, the reason why that's important is so that you don't misinterpret it. Because not everything, everything in the Bible is true, but it doesn't mean everything is applicable to today. That's why it's called the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant, okay? Uh, But also, just because the Bible records something as a true event, like the Bible records people lying. Well, it's in the Bible, that's okay for today. No, just because it records something, the Bible records the good, the bad, the ugly, which again is another proof of its existence coming from god because if this book was whooped up by man right and i'm just going to use it to manipulate people i i I'd kind of just want to stick to the highlights everybody's wonderful and nobody murdered anybody nobody ever lied you know but see that's the beauty of it is god records the good the bad the ugly okay and it's his promises through and through is what we hold to okay so you get to that aha moment and that's what this is all about Okay, you got to understand when you do pick up the Bible. All right, I'm reading the book of Exodus. Where's that? Old Covenant. Okay, where's that? Well, that was before Israel came onto the sea. You know, the with, with uh, eventually into uh, went to Egypt. You know, you haven't got there yet. You're, you're reading it in a proper context. Okay, I'm reading Philippians. Where's that? Well, that's over here. That's post the cross. That's the new covenant. You see what I'm saying? Might sound minor, but I'm telling you, if we get that far, you will see it is my contention that this is why we have so many false teachers, so many false teachings. This is why, not only that, you have so many different denominations by and large, because we're the church of the black robes. Because the Bible says you're supposed to wear robes because the Old Testament talks about priesthood. And the priesthood, we all know, wore robes and stuff. Hey, I'm not against robes, but you don't have to wear robes, okay? Okay. Well, not, not black, that's not a really good color. We're the church of the blue robes because blue represents royalty. And if you read the Old Testament, it's re- Well, we're in the New Covenant now and we don't even read the Old Testament because that's not for today. And so we're the church of no robes, right? And on and on it goes. And this splits off in all these different denominations we got. We got the church of this and the church of that and the church who doesn't do this and the church who does that, okay? And a lot of us, we're all reading the same Bible and this is why a lot of times the world scoffs at us. But you guys can't even agree, right? And it's not the problem as we've seen before. It's not the scripture's problem. It's not God's problem. God doesn't speak with forked tongue. It's how we approach the Bible. So when we get into this topic, we're gonna see you have to understand where does it fit? How does this fit together? So that when you're in there like you're supposed to, you got the right time uh, frame going on, old, new, so you don't interpret it wrong, so you don't apply it wrong, okay? And so you certainly don't share it wrong okay let's continue on he said how's this thing fit together this book is the foundation of our christian faith okay and you might want to know it uh uh properly okay that's kind of redundant uh, and, and this is another thing we've seen this before sometimes we christians we play a little funny game i have a little anyway and what this we, we we have a statement in our doctrinal statement we say solo scriptura right how many guys that's the only latin you know Join the club okay it means the bible alone the solo alone the bible scripture okay is the final rule for our faith and practice right that's man that's a hardcore we're, we're we'll die on that thing and rightly so the bible defines our faith and practice right now in practice though it's usually not what it is unfortunately might be on your website doesn't mean number one it's being preached from the pulpit and number two doesn't mean it's being preached in sunday school and number three, it doesn't mean that that's really what the people in that church believe. You, I, tell, I get phone calls, emails from people all over the place. And they're asked, Pastor Billy, I can't find a healthy church. What do you look for and whatever and this stuff. And I says, hey, listen, I, no, the days are gone because there's so much apostasy in the church today where I can say, yep, you go to this Baptist church, it's going to be fine. Used to be, not anymore, okay, because they can be liberal, right? They could be uh, pro-homosexual. Uh, they could be uh, into, uh, you know, the... Uh, all kinds of apostasy, the church growth movement that we spent, how many weeks on that? Okay, they could be into that. So, uh, uh, so you're gonna have to go investigate it, okay? Long gone are the days when you could just, well, I don't like this church, I'll go down to this one, I'll be safe. You're gonna have to go inspect it and check it out, okay? Uh, but that's what we're seeing is we, we say we follow the Bible, okay? Even if we got this right, okay, and we're, we're properly doing this, we, we add an unfortunate element when it comes to our so-called Christian truth. Okay, let me give you a couple uh, examples of that. Uh, first of them, uh, sometimes would be uh, what I would certainly, uh, people, of course they're not Christians, uh, would be Mormons, okay? If you, if you uh, go to a Mormons or Jehovah's Witness, they're gonna say, well, we're Christians, right? No, and we dealt with that before in our study, did the Bible really come from God, okay? The problem is they, they would say, when you try to witness to a Mormon, they will sit there and they'll say, well, we follow the Bible and only the King James, okay? But they don't, okay, because they have an extra source, okay? And that extra source is Joseph Smith in the Book of Mormon. So basically, that's what they refer to every single time, okay? So even though they would say we have a source of truth, it's really not one source of truth, okay? Same thing with Jehovah's Witness. And notice, where did this come from? How did this cult, how did this false teaching happen on the planet? Was it the Bible's fault? No, they went outside the Bible, okay, as a source of truth. Stick to the scripture, period. Okay, let me give you another example. Another one would be the Catholics, okay? And if you ever tried to witness to a person who's in in the Catholic community, uh, sometimes it's very frustrating, okay? Because you sit there and you'll say, well, here's what the Bible says, and it just, because they will come back with something else. Well, that's not what the Pope said, or that's not what the church, and that's because they have actually four sources, supposedly of truth. Yes, it's supposed to be the Bible, okay? But then they will go with what the Pope says, Okay, then they'll go with uh, the uh, church councils and what they decree, and then they'll go with what's called the early church fathers. So they actually got four, and that's why sometimes it's like you're, you're dancing around with them playing a game because you're quoting Bible, 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 and they're going, well, yeah, but this, well, yeah, but this, well, yeah, but this, and then you know, it just goes around and around and around you go. Let me give you another one. This is what I've learned even within evangelical Christianity, okay? And that's what we do as Christians. We say, "Sole Scripture." It's only the Bible. We're not, you know, into the uh, into a cult like the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or Christian Science and all that other stuff. And we certainly don't have four sources of truth like the Catholics do. I mean, we stick to the Bible. Really? Unfortunately, what I've learned is we add some things to that. Okay, what we will do is I know that's what the Bible says, but I feel like, you know, what that is? That's putting you above the Scripture. That's adding an element to the Scripture. Now you're all messed up. How many you guys have learned so far that you cannot trust your feelings, right? Could have been that uh, bad piece of chicken, which I know is a redundant phrase, bad chicken, okay, uh, that you had and you're all messed up or something like that. Like you're, have a, it's worked out in the yard and getting heat stroke and it's like, oh, I got a vision, you know, okay. It uh, doesn't mean it's from God, right? You can't trust your feelings. they are up, they're down, but God's word is stable, okay? Here's another one that I learned, unfortunately, because of our cultural influence. And that's what society says, and this is the stat we've seen before, which is old, which I think is really more, which is bad. Okay, thirty-three percent of born-again Christians, they say they're born-again Christians, and maybe they are. I don't know. Okay, say that homosexuality is perfectly fine. How, whoa, whoa! I don't care if it's Old Testament, New Testament. How could you? How could you say that, Christian, solo scriptura person? Because you say you follow the Bible, but in practice you don't, and you're giving uh, credence to society. What's that doing? Not just your feelings, but now you're saying society governs even over the scripture. That's the problem that we Christians play. Let me give you one more. And the other one I would say is like peer pressure. are well, my friends are doing it, right? My friends do. You, you don't understand. Bob, he's so spiritual, man. Every time he prays, he cries and his lips quiver like this. So he's so spiritual. And when he prays, he does that. And man, that's gotta be from God. And And, it, and when he speaks, it's got... Hey, guess what? He can be wrong, okay? Just because test it according to the scripture. See, that's what we don't do, do we? We don't, okay? Um, That's why you hear from me every Sunday, hey, but don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. Crack open the Bible. You tell me what God's telling us. It's not me. I'm not making this stuff up. Let's get back to the scripture, okay? So even though I would say it's a two-bang punch, we really need to understand how does the scripture fit together? But dare I say, even after we get it Uh, fitted together properly to rightly interpret it we really desperately need to stick to the bible stop listening to your feelings stop listening to society uh don't listen to the cult certainly and who cares about the peer pressure i'm sorry did you know there's been actually a couple times that uh i have had to admit over the years that even my peers i now disagree with i believe i was taught wrong It, it could happen okay I, i'm not saying i'm 100 percent perfect i try to be i i'm it, it scares me it keeps me certainly sucking carpet before god because as a teacher you're under double judgment and i hope i'm rightly dividing the scripture but i'm not going to make the arrogant statement and say i'm always 100 percent correct you know and i hope not to instill doubt in you i'm working my tail off but it, it can happen you stick to the scripture you cannot go wrong but you need to understand it correctly let's continue on this book is the only book with the message it has the potential to change a life for eternity Okay, this is a fact. There's nothing theoretical about it. In the annals of history, there are full of testimonies to this. Uh, and it's not just a historical fact. Uh, he knows it because it changed uh, his life. Okay, it continues to change my life daily as I understand it through the power of the Holy Spirit to apply it, underline that word, apply it. Remember, as we saw, when you study the scripture, it's not, you're not on some marathon race. You're not trying to impress your friends. Well, I beat my record, 15 chapters. That, uh, last week, it was only 13. Yee-hee, what'd you learn? I don't know. You just wasted your time. Who are you trying to impress? I don't care if you only got through one verse, but if that impacted you, stop, chew on it. Maybe that's what God wants you to know. Don't fall for that, okay? It's to apply, okay, the whole point. Uh, And we've already, of course, discussed this. Uh, it, It brings peace, joy, freedom, eternal life. Obviously, we discussed that in Bible interpretation. Now, since we have to clearly understand the word before we can apply it to our lives, this is important. And so we're gonna learn in this chapter some helpful facts about how the Bible is put together which will add to our ability to interpret it properly okay you see the Bible is a book of order and structure and just as God's creation shows great order and structure as well as complexity so his word shows the same this chapter is going to help us to see the overall continuity of God's Word and his covenant program that is being carried out in history now underline the phrase there ability to interpret it properly okay in your workbook, if you got one there, the ability to interpret it properly. I want to give you some examples of how we have so many false teachings, false teachers, and the church of the black robes, the church of this robes, and the church of no robes, okay? Because they read the scripture, that's good. They teach the scripture, that's great. But they take it out of historical context, right? Let me give you some obvious examples. We've talked about uh, this before. Uh, how about. The Old Testament sacrificial system. Aren't you guys glad that every Sunday, man, when we gather together, we all know we've blown it, right? How many guys have blown it this week so far? All right, those of you who didn't raise your hands, you just did, you liar. Okay, and uh, that's the facts, right? We've all blown it. So this Sunday, woo, I tell you what, we're gonna have to blow out that center, center, center section there and, uh, cause man, we're gonna have a whole mass of sheep coming in here and we're gonna slaughter and cut their throats. I'm gonna build this altar up here and whoo, isn't that great? Because that's what we, the Bible says, Okay, it's, it's in there. Why don't we do that today? I mean, you guys are glad we don't do that today, right? Because that was then, yes, it's in the Bible. It's there. It's true. God doesn't lie, but it's not applicable for today, okay? And that's just one easy example, okay? But, but again, there's people who would kind of go along some of the Old Testament, maybe not the sacrificial system, Okay, but there are people out there who will go along with this one. How about the Old Testament dietary system, right? That's right, you guys, I tell you what. You know, you guys gotta stay away from pork. Anybody love bacon? Oh, man. How many guys would be like me and you would eat bacon on bacon with bacon bits on top and bacon juice if you could find it? Ah, that stuff's good. You know what I'm saying? That's good stuff. Let's just close in prayer. I'm hungry, no. But, uh, well, hey, you big sinner. Yeah, see, she knows, okay? Don't do that. The Bible says you gotta stay away from pork products and we all know it's right there in the Old Testament. Why is it okay for today? Because things have changed, right, Tom? It's recorded in the scripture, but, but have you heard of the people, Seventh-day Adventists are one of them, who would maintain the dietary laws? Yes, you're right, it's recorded in the Old Testament. No, you're wrong that it's applicable for today, and that you have to. Hey, if you don't want to eat pork, that's your own prerogative. But the moment you say, I can't, when the scripture says in the new covenant, I can, I'm sorry, you're wrong, not the Bible. How did they come to that? Because they don't have a correct systematized Bible knowledge. Yes, they're reading the Bible, that's good, but they're reading it out of historical context, messing it up trying to apply it today how about the, here's another one how about the old testament and this is another one that people get into today is the old testament festivals right and it says there they had that the feast of booths right and what they had to do is they had to re the israelites there it says it right there in the bible aren't you know it and they had to rebuild these booths there and they had to live in them for a while and uh, because they were basically uh remembering the journey that they had uh there in the exodus and uh, so that you and I, once a year, that's what we gotta do. We gotta, in our backyard, we can't do it here because we got it's so full of sheep now. Uh, we gotta do it in our backyard and we gotta sit out there with our family in these booths that we make up. And, and I'm sorry, Ruth, but John cheated last year because I saw that cable that he did all the way out in the backyard with his and he was watching TV, just sinner. Okay, and, but the rest of us were supposed to rough it, you know, and just have booths out there and just stare at each other. Why don't we do that? Why don't we celebrate that festival today? It's in the Bible. It says it right there. Yeah, (laughs) it says it right there. And uh, well, it's because again, it's an easy example. Okay, yes, it says it in the Bible, but that doesn't mean it's applicable today. Praise God, you saw that in the scripture. Unfortunately, now you're producing a false teaching saying we have to keep all the Jewish festivals. I'm not saying you can't learn from them. Uh, In fact, many people would, I would say, make this uh, a problem. They would say, you'll hear New Testament Christians, they'll say, oh, absolutely, I understand that that's the old covenant, old contract. We're under the new covenant, the new contract. Therefore, I don't need to read the Old Testament. Uh, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And the New Testament clearly says you can really benefit, hello, from the Old Testament. okay? And, uh, but some people try to spiritualize and say, well, I, I just, that's not applicable for today, so there's no sense in wasting my time. I'm just gonna become a master of the New Testament. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let's take a look there. And uh, grabbing the context, uh, talks about uh, Israel's history, okay, in the New Testament. Okay, and here's what Paul says, uh, verse one. He says, for I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, uh, that our forefathers were all under the cloud, and that they passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was who? Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were... Ooh, this is a rough one. Scattered... Uh, oh, uh, over the desert? Whoa. And, and, and now these things occurred, but you don't need to worry about it because we're under the new covenant and there's no sense in reading about it in the Old Testament. What's it say? Wrong translation there? Uh, now these things occurred as examples to keep who? Us, here, now, new covenant, from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Hey, don't be idolaters, as some of them were, as it was written, where? Old Testament. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. Can I tell you something? That's our society. Hey, everybody's working for the weekend just so you could what? Party. Sit down. Entertain yourself. Let's do some pagan revelry. He says, don't do that. Okay, let's continue on. Uh, he says that, that not only with the, the pagan revelry, he says, uh, uh, he says as, as some of them did, they sat down and did, did that. We should not commit sexual morality. some of them did. And in one day, listen, 23,000 of them died. I, it makes you cry when you think about it. What? You mean to tell me that God will even discipline us and sometimes he'll take his people out? That never happened today, would it? Ah, okay, let's continue. And then, oh, yeah, we should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes and do not grumble. That one's hard to get off the list, isn't it? Do not grumble. We never grumble, do we? Or complain. Why? Okay. I want We do not grumble as some of them did and they were what? Killed by the destroying angel. What? You look at the context there. God was providing for them, but they didn't like the way he was providing How did God like that? Not very well. The key word there, destroying angel, death, that kind of gives it away. Okay, now listen to what he says. These things happened to them as what? Examples and were written down as warnings for who? Us, on the fulfillment of the ages has come. Okay, so if you think you're standing firm, you better be careful you don't fall. In other words, hello, he says it even in the New Testament. Guess what's good for you? The Old Testament. And yes, see, this is another historical understanding. You do need to know the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, but that doesn't mean you don't need to listen there because you can still learn about God's consistent, righteous, holy character. He is called immutable. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he doesn't like sin in the Old Testament, he doesn't like it in the New Testament, okay? That's what he's talking about. So don't get tricked either in saying, well, yes, I'm a master now of knowing which books are in the Old Covenant. And do not apply to me like those dietary laws. I can eat all the bacon I want. But now I'm just sticking to the New Testament. That's a lie. Okay. Plus, again, how are you ever going to get to the understanding and appreciation of the new covenant if you don't get acquainted with the old covenant? Okay. And how are you going to understand the beginning if you never read about the beginning and how it all wraps up in the end? And, uh, and even just with the cross of Christ and how amazing it was that God, even though we blew it time and time and time and time and time and time, and time again, he still uh, uh, honored his promise back in Genesis 3.15. Okay? You won't get that if you fall for that lie. Okay? Uh, so we don't do the Old Testament sacrificial system. We don't do the dietary laws. We don't do the feasts or the festivals. Okay? Let me give you a New Testament passage. Okay? Uh, Colossians chapter 2. Turn there, if you would. Colossians chapter 2. Mm <laughs> hmm. And uh, this is a great one to know because you're going to find some people out there, okay, uh, that are into either, unfortunately, false teaching like Seventh-day Adventists or others that are still holding on to the dietary laws uh, 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 that, you know, you can only worship on the Sabbath, you know, which was typically Saturday, but now we worship on Sunday. And then they would say that you and I who gathered together on Sunday, uh, that uh, that's the mark of the beast. And they said, whoa, haven't you read your Bible? What are you talking about? Because read Colossians chapter 2. Okay, verse 16, let's take a look there. It says, therefore, Paul says, do not let who? Anyone, how many is that? Anybody, okay, judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a what? Religious festival, a new moon celebration or what? A Sabbath day, he said, these are a shadow of the things that were to come, the reality, however, is found in who? Christ, all these things typified Uh, the reality that was to come, Jesus Christ. Okay, we've talked about this before, let me give you an easy example. Not only with the sacrificial system, okay, because Jesus is our sacrificial lamb, but if you take a look at the whole temple system, okay, as we saw before, in order to enter into the temple, it was, God is a multidimensional being, the supreme being who's above and beyond his creation, who is the creator. Right? So how is a multidimensional being going to communicate a, a desperate message to you and I who's messed up, unholy, rebelled against him, headed straight to hell? Right, Well, he's done it several different ways. Of course, we have this recorded for us now in the Bible. Okay? But believe it or not, there was a time when we didn't have this. okay. And the Old Testament, they, they might have had some, some, but they weren't written yet. You hadn't gotten to the prophets and things of that nature yet. Okay, and things of that nature. And the New Testament wasn't even anywhere around. So how are these people gonna get the message? Because not just us today who have the Bible, but how are these people going to know that you're in a heap of trouble? That God is holy, that we are not? Well, he's done it several different ways. One of them, of course, was with the dietary laws. He chose the Jewish people out of the world to be a peculiar people And that when they did what God said to do and follow his Old Testament laws, it was going to send a message to our world who didn't have the Bible when they just looked at the Jewish people, hey, wait a second, God is holy and we are not. Right? Because if you look at the dietary laws, God is establishing things that are clean, holy, and unclean, right? So it becomes a visual communication tool, right? As well as it was a practical tool, oftentimes with the Jewish people. How many guys would say that pork doesn't do well in the desert heat? Okay, so there's that element, but it was a spiritual message. God was using that to use the Jewish people, if you will, as a commercial to the world. I'm holy, you're not, you're in trouble. Okay? Another thing that, of course, uh, with that uh, is with the sacrificial system and the temple, the the whole priesthood system, okay? And again, you take a look at the temple, it's like, boy, why do you have them do all this stuff? And why was it so exacting there in the Old Testament? I mean, it had to be exactly like this with these dimensions and that, and you had to have this, and then the next thing you had to, well, there's a reason, because when the New Testament, as Paul says here in Colossians, all that stuff foreshadowed Jesus Christ. It was the message in there for him. They didn't have the Bible like you and I today. And so when you go to the temple, in order to get into it, you had to enter into the gate. Hey, who said he was the gate and the sheep? Oh, Jesus, so the only way to get into the temple. Now, what's the goal of the temple? As you know, there was the outer court, then there was the inner court with the, the the holy place, and then what was called the Holy of Holies with the Ark of the Covenant, which was supposed to be the actual presence of God. So the goal is to ultimately get to the center to the actual presence of God, why do you get there? Well, you gotta first go to the gate. Who's the gate? Jesus, right? And then eventually you come to an altar, okay, uh, sacrificed, who's gave himself and sacrificed for us, right? Uh, you came to a labor of cleansing, okay, with water, okay, and who cleanses us from our sins, as we've seen before. You, you get into the uh, uh, holy place, um, and, and uh, you get into with the table, the showbread, okay? Who's the bread of life? jesus and then you get into it and you see you got the lamp with the light and who's the light of the world and then you see that it was still separated the most holy place okay it was separated there with a huge massive giant uh, curtain a veil if you will uh, who when he rose again from the grave the veil was torn from top to bottom which was what well that's the old, that was the last barrier before the actual presence of god you see what i'm saying So so they didn't have a copy of the Bible, but God did these various things, a multidimensional being, to use the Jewish people, their methods, their mannerisms, their dietary laws, okay, to teach people about uh, the fact that God is holy there or not, and they need a savior, okay? And that was it. But guess what? We have this today. And Jesus went to the cross once and for all, Hebrews says, never to be sacrificed again. We don't have to keep bringing in those sheep, praise God, Okay. And it's all recorded for us here. So guess what we don't have to do? We don't have to do the temple system. We don't have to dress like priests. We don't have to bring in those sheep. We don't have to build a temple. We don't have to bring all the sacrifices. You see what I'm saying? Yes, it's recorded for us in the scripture, but you will get people who will read the Old Testament who don't know this, who take it out of the systematized Bible knowledge uh, and don't see how it fits together. And I'm telling you folks, this is why we got so many denominations today. It's not the problem with the scripture. There's always one consistent message from God. You just we we uh, interpret it wrong. Let's continue on. How does the Bible fit together? Well, thanks for asking, Michaela, okay, I see that there. Uh, let's take a look. Most people know that the Bible is divided into two major sections. Ruth, you prayer warrior. We actually got to fill in one blank tonight. Two major sections. Okay, these are the Old Testament or the New Testament, and these sections could also be called the Old Covenant or the new covenant, or literally contract, okay, and uh, here's a sample diagram, as you can see there in your workbook, uh, of the two, so you got basically the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, or if you're from Italy, Malachi, or Hawaii, you guys heard that one, right, Molokai, no, but it's, it's we'll stick to Malachi, Okay, and uh, so that's what you got there. And, uh, but you see, it uh, basically gives us the earliest history, the beginnings, and it stops there at the, uh, Malachi, why? Because uh, it's called the intertestamental period, for those of you hooked on exciting theological terms. Okay, believe it or not, even though Malachi in the very next book is Malachi, there's 400 years of silence between that. And that's because if you understand the proper chronology, God had basically said, that's it, I'm done with you guys. I'm not speaking to you anymore. I mean, I brought you out, I did all this stuff that you read throughout the whole Old Testament. I gave you all this stuff. I took care of you time and time again and time and time again, you rebelled. I even spanked you big time and allowed both of you uh, to the Northern Kingdom, Southern Kingdom to go into exile, okay? Then I brought some of you guys back and said, okay, now you're gonna do it right. It didn't take long. What were they doing? The same goofball thing. And God put up there for a little while and then finally says, that's it. I'm done. No more. And that's what you read. in Malachi says, that's it. You ain't gonna hear nothing from me. Okay, in essence, crone translation, verbat- you know, the vernacular. You're not gonna hear nothing from me. Okay, until uh, somebody's gonna come and prepare the way uh, for the Lord. Okay, uh, someone who comes, he says that at the very end there, Malachi, uh, in the spirit and power of Elijah, the prophet. And, Gee, I wonder who that was. When you read the gospels, what does it start off with? John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist do? He's fulfilling that prophecy from Malachi. Okay, but, but that time frame is 400 years, okay? So even though it's the very next book, there's a lot going on. Now, if you really wanna do an interesting study, I wouldn't say like, thus saith the Lord and you're gonna preach from it, but if you wanna do an interesting study, take a look at what's going on during that 400 years, okay? Maybe God didn't record for us prophetically in scripture, but man, he's still working it up. Uh, he's, he's moving the culture and events into the way that he has. And one of the ways that we see that is after that, he's preparing the way himself culturally for the coming of the Messiah, as well as the dispersion of the news of the new covenant. Because what happens during that 400 year time frame is eventually you got the uh, different power switches that are going on. The Jewish people, they lose their nation, then they become subservient, they get it back for a little bit, and then the Maccabees, if you heard of those guys. During that time, they lose it again. They become under the power. You get the the birth and the rise of the Roman Empire. Now, the Roman Empire brought something with them that was really handy when Jesus and the apostles uh, appeared on the scene when he said, go out into all the world. And the Roman culture that time during that 400 years, what it did was, first of all, they built a massive, because it was a massive society, be there this Sunday. We'll talk about the Roman society being birthed again. Woo, it's getting close. Okay, uh, great. Have you heard of the Elizabeth? I don't want to give it away. Anyway, so uh, uh, they built a massive network of roads so that now you could travel like never before, okay? And most of them were pretty somewhat safe. They had stations and guards. Before, it's just like, have fun. You're going to get robbed, killed, all kinds of stuff. But they built this massive network of roadways well, I'll tell you why that's important in a second. The second thing that they also began to bring with them, uh, left over uh, from the, the Grecian, uh, is they began to bring in what's called Koine, or common Greek, and that became the systematized uh, religion, okay? Alexander the Great and things of that nature prior to that, but it continued to become the common language of the day. So now, after all that, and that's just a couple things that God was doing during to that silent period, okay? Now when Jesus appears on the scene and he goes to the cross, He rises from the grave, he tells his disciples before he goes to the Father, go into all the world and make disciples, okay? He says, you're gonna be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, okay? Well, guess what God had done in advance for them in order to do that? He gave them a modern road system, he improved the transportation system so they could go out to the ends of the world with lightning speed compared to before and now the world was speaking by and large kind of like english today you know it might be a different culture but most people in most of the uh, planet today their second language is english so we can at least somewhat communicate well now that's the same thing that's going on here so now when they go out okay and share the gospel it's all set up for them okay absolutely mind-blowing time frame if you ever want to uh, study that god was maybe silent as far as prophetically but he was orchestrating things behind the scene historically getting ready uh, for that to take place okay and then of course you have the new testament it starts with matthew the gospels mark luke and john uh, written in koine greek uh, and all the way to revelation now the word bible comes from the greek word biblos let's say that that's awesome except i asked you to say that so anyway. You guys will get it one of these days. Uh, The word Bible can rightly claim uh, to be the great-grandson of the Greek word uh, biblos, which was the name given to the outer coat of a papyrus reed in Egypt during the 11th century BC. Now that you will never find on a granola bar. Isn't that a cool piece of knowledge, Tom? I'm telling you, that's awesome. Uh, The plural form of biblos is biblia, and by the 2nd century AD, Christians were using the latter word to describe their writings. So Biblia gave birth to the Latin word of the same spelling, Biblia, by the same process. The modern English word Bible is derived from the old French and the Anglicized ending. And so this word is a product of four stages of transliteration and transmission. I don't know about you, but I am now ready to go on Jeopardy. <laughs> I'm going to get that one question right. All right at this point in our Christian growth, uh, you should memorize the books of the Bible, it says, and learn a little about the chronology of the books, Okay and how they're written, when they were written, and how they fit together. That's what we've been talking about. The chart at the end of the chapter breaks down and organizes the book under the major headings so they're easier to memorize. And if you want to just flip over there real quick, if you've got your workbook, uh, you're going to see some pretty nifty charts there if you want to take a look at it, of how the Bible's been broken out, uh, broken out uh, in category, broken out uh, chronologically, uh, and things of that nature if you're hooked on timelines. And if that's going to help you get your aha moment, so that you can see how this fits together. So when you go back and read a book, Old Testament, New Testament, you're getting it in the proper uh, time frame. Uh, but before the next uh, lesson, uh, they want you to obviously memorize them. And, but it says this, the chronology of the books, okay? To understand the message of the Bible properly, it is helpful to understand chronologically how the Bible books fit together. Some of the books of the Bible were written approximately 3,400 years ago. Do you think maybe the culture has changed a little bit since then? Just a wee bit, okay? And so we need to understand what they're doing, okay, culturally, in order to apply it uh, again today. Uh, where others have been uh, written around 2,000 years ago, uh, God gave certain guidelines that were mandatory in some of the older books, listen, that are what? Not still enforced for his people today. I just gave you a few examples, okay? As we saw there. Uh, for this reason, it's important to understand the scriptures, to be aware of how the books fit together chronologically. And as you start to memorize them, you want to familiarize yourself with this and uh, the chart at the end. And it says, turn now over there and scan it. Uh, please don't. Uh, anyway, you can do it later. Uh, but anyway, but let me give an example. If you guys have never done this, this is a phenomenal, phenomenal study. Okay, I loaned it out one time and I never got it back and I wanted to get another copy. But uh, it's, you can get the Bible now in chronological order, okay? As it was written. And, and a lot of books stay in kind of the same order, but a lot of them don't. Okay. Not only that, but when you what probably me one of the coolest things uh, was when you get to like uh, in the Old Testament, First and Second Kings, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Chronicles. Okay, a lot of those keep kind of going back and whatever. It puts them all in chronological order as you read it. Right. Radically changes things. And then the New Testament. Okay, you got the four Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Okay, but if you notice, like maybe three of the Gospels say one thing. But one of them doesn't record it, but maybe one records one thing, but the other three don't, or two of them record something, but these two don't, or these two say this, but these don't. And it's not that they're like contradict, there is no contradiction, whatever. It's just as we saw before with the analogy if you got four people witnessing an accident and all four had to write down a report, then you're gonna have a lot of similarity. But by nature of people and personalities and what they were, uh, what meant more important to them, they're gonna pick up on different aspects that maybe the other person said. Well, man, did you see that car hit that truck? Well, then you got this person report, yeah, that red car hit that blue truck. Well, it's the same thing. It's just this one colors were more important. Uh, this one wasn't lying. It's not contradictory. They just added a little bit of more flavor to it and vice versa. And that's what you see in the gospels. People say, well, how come this one says it and does if you understand it like there's four authors right in the scene of, a, uh, of an accident, if you will, the cross of Jesus Christ, his story, uh, you're gonna get that naturally. But if you get a chronological uh, Bible that has the gospels in chronological order, it's one big giant gospel and it's all in order. Wild. I mean, there's stuff that you read before, but when you read it in chronological order, it's just like, it starts popping out. It's like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? So I'd encourage you if you could do that. Uh, it really begins to change things. All right, what are dispensations? Okay. Now, as we go through this the, uh, thing, dispensation. If you really want to just break it down to something easy, uh, just call it time periods. Okay, time periods. That's all it is. Okay. As we saw, uh, there you know people say, "Oh, there are no such thing as dispensations." Excuse me. Uh, one of the easiest examples is what we've been talking about this whole study. There was an old testament and a new testament. That was a time period God was doing one thing that he's not doing in this next thing, right? So there are things that God does in one time period that he doesn't do in another period, okay? So that's a pretty easy example. Let's take a look. We've already discussed the fact that the Bible's divided in the Old and New Testament, uh, and this alone proves that God chose to relate differently to those in the Old than the New. But if we examine closely, we will see that there's many different time periods, and these are the time periods that God chose to relate to his people differently. They're called dispensations. Wow, wow. Second thing we get to fill in tonight. We're cruising now. Dispensations is your blank there, and it's normally marked off by a divine appointment and responsibilities with which begins uh, by a divine judgment uh, with which it ends. Did you catch that? Okay. And uh, uh, seven time periods are generally. There's people that want to add more and split up whatever. Uh, and again, people say, "Well, there is no such thing." I say, "Listen, we all at least got to agree on this one: old and new testament." Okay. So whatever. Okay. But, but again, why is this important to know these different time periods? Because there's different time periods where God did different things, okay? Here at, uh, in the Old Testament has even have got little, even further splitting up, if you will, of God's behavior and what he was doing with people, okay? And so it's not just the overarching Old Testament period. Even inside the Old Testament, he did certain things that he doesn't do today. Let me give you an example. We're gonna have to get to this in our next study, Lord willing, of, of how that's pretty apparent, Okay. Old Testament, even within the Old Testament, two different things that God did, it was applicable for one time frame, but not for another time frame, okay? And you need to understand that to apply it correctly. And one of the easiest examples was, first of all, the, uh, what's called the Age of Innocence, and it refers to the Garden of Eden, right? Before mankind blew it, right? Didn't last too long. Uh, and all they had was one rule, don't eat from the tree. Okay, it didn't do it. And because of that, we've got what we got today. Okay, but if you look in that time period, Genesis well, one through three, uh, when you look in that time period before the fall of man, okay, mankind, apparently, God says, you can eat veggie tables. Okay, you eat just vegetables and fruit, fruit and veggies. Mankind did not eat meat at that point. So therefore, it says that in the Bible, so therefore, the vegetarians have got it right. It, excuse me, Christian, why do you argue with me? It says that you should not eat meat. In the very beginning, Adam and Eve, they didn't eat meat. How I many you guys heard this stuff, right? Now listen, if you don't want to eat meat, I'm stuck on bacon, so too bad, okay? But uh, uh, that's, up, that's up to you. And if you. I'm not, hey, don't run your prey. If you want to be a vegetarian, go for it, okay? Uh, but listen, the moment you say that I, as a New Testament Christian, can't have meat, you're going out of the scripture. And you don't have to even just get into the vision of Peter in the book of Acts in the New Testament. All you gotta do is pay attention to the next time period. Okay, Genesis chapter nine, that's the, no, after sin, then the next time period is the Noaic time period. Okay, where God, once again, they blew it and got so wicked, which is happening today. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be in the coming of the son of man. And it said, mankind was so wicked that his thoughts were continually wicked only that's how rotten it is that's our society today that's being repeated but it says there after that after that judgment after that time period genesis chapter 9 god says now you can eat meat so how do you get around so I'm i'm still in the old Testament. but do you see my point and we'll have to get into this lord willing more next week in these different time periods but do you see why it's important not just to know the delineation between the old testament and the new testament period But even within the covenants, you're going to see, as we're going to see in the study, we're going to see that God does things differently even within those time periods, the two major ones, that we better pay attention to because if you don't, you're going to wrongly interpret the Scripture, which means if you try to apply it, you're going to apply it wrong. And then, unfortunately, if you open your mouth and try to share it, you're going to share it wrong, which gives birth to guess what? False teaching. It happens that easy, okay? he already knows this. We don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says, you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us. That uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy holy